want to welcome everyone to the service tonight. We're going to continue our study of Acts 3, our, our study of Acts, and the chapter under consideration tonight's Acts chapter 3. As a review, um, Brother D had a very good lesson last week on Acts chapter 2. And uh, as we think about the book of Acts, it describes the history of the church principally, uh, the first Acts of the Apostles. The Acts was written by Luke, it was also who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. Acts is actually could be considered part two of the Gospel of Luke. It's a continuation of Luke's uh, story of the early church. Luke wrote both books, both the Gospel of Luke and, and the Acts, to a man named Theopolis. His name means lover of God. And he wrote both books to help Theopolis better understand Jesus Christ and his message, the kingdom of God. So as we go through our, our study tonight, well, I thought it would be helpful to think about those things. And just a short review of, of Acts chapter 2, so we can move into Acts chapter 3 with some continuity. So on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, we know, was poured out on those there at, at Jerusalem, and the sign was the tongues, the, the tongues that they were speaking in. And in the context there in Acts 2, the tongues were known as languages that everyone could understand. At the end of Acts 2, we see how the early church grew. They were united in the Holy Spirit. They devoted themselves to knowing God's Word. They had strong fellowship, one with another. No one lacked. So much so that they, they, those that needed things, the others sold their possessions and shared them with them. And as a result of all this and this unity there, the early church exploded in growth. And we know that there were over 3,000 believers there on the day of Pentecost on that one day. So, with that as our, as our, as our introduction, uh, I want to talk about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the believers at Pentecost. You know, this, this sign gave Peter the opportunity to preach Jesus to the multitude gathered there. And we can see the results of that in that second chapter of Acts. We're going to see that very same thing take place again in chapter 3 that we're going to study tonight. That word opportunity, I've got it underlined here in my notes, and I want us to take note of that. That's going to be a key word for today's message. So then, on to uh, Acts, 
it, as I want to I want to go ahead and read these verses out of Acts two, to, uh, moving into Acts three. Then, then they gladly then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day they were added unto them about three thousand souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added, to the church daily, such as should be saved. Much like the miracle that, that we saw happen in chapter 2, giving Peter that opportunity to preach the first gospel sermon, in chapter, chapter 3, we're going to see another miracle that gave Peter a second opportunity to preach another gospel sermon. Moving into Acts 3 now. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Many of the notes that, that the commentaries that I read, uh, this was a, a common custom. There were several hours of prayer that the Jews uh, went to the temple to pray. And this one happened to be about three in the afternoon. Verse 2. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So we see here that this man, someone brought him and left him daily at the gate to beg, to beg alms of those that were coming to the temple to pray. You know, as we think about the state our country's in today and all of the hardship and anguish that, that's going on across the nation. And then we look at our prayer list tonight that was on the board and, you know, it, it was two full pages, maybe more, of names of, of folks that are sick or have lost loved ones and, you know, our hearts go out to all of them and we need to we need to always remember those that, that are going through hardships, those around us, especially those of our brotherhood that, that need our help, need our prayers, sometimes need our money, but always need our, our love. And we need to always remember them. So we see this man, he was in dire straits. So much so that somebody brought him there and laid him every day at the gate of the temple. And there he's laying when, when Peter comes along. Can you imagine the, the, the attitude that he must have had? How, how uh, depressed, how helpless he must have felt like to have somebody carry him there every day they didn't have the social uh, system that we have in this country to take care of those that, that 
are less fortunate. They didn't have Social Security. They didn't have Medicare. They didn't have disability. You know, this man was in serious need. And that's where our story starts here. Going ahead and reading verses 3 through 5. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. This man was in desperate need here. And he was about to receive a gift so great, there's no way he could imagine it. You know, you and I are but beggars in God's eyes. Sinful humans. And he has given us a gift that is unimaginable. The gift of his son. So we find this man sitting here, and he sees Peter and John, and he asks alms of them. And Peter, looking down on him, tells him to look on us. I'm sure the guy had his head downcast. You know, maybe he had a, had a pot there for them to drop their coins in, or who knows, a basket. But Peter got his attention and said, look on us. Like he's going to fix, fix and receive something great. He thought maybe, okay, I'm going, to get a, I'm going to get a good reward today. But he didn't have any idea what, what Peter was going to give him. Peter said then, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. I want you to take note here that Peter just didn't tell, tell him to rise up and walk. He reached out to him, and he took him by the hand, and he lifted him up. Peter helped him. He helped him realize the reward. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaped up, stood, and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. How wonderful this man must have felt. Going on in Acts 9, and, or 3, 9 through 11, it says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which had set for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. They all knew him. They knew his history. They knew that He'd been crippled from his mother's womb. It says, and, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. You know, they seen something this day that they have never seen before. And it got all their attention. Can you imagine their surprise after knowing this man all their lives, possibly, and seeing it, him at the temple gate for years begging, and now he's, he's up walking around, and he's joyful. His whole attitude's changed, no doubt. And he's 
praising Peter and John for doing this for him. But Peter, in the next verses, verses 12 through 18, he takes control of the situation there. And he make, he's quick to point out that Peter didn't have anything to do with this other than being a messenger. This was the power of God, the power of the Holy Ghost. In verse 12 it says, And when Peter saw it, he answered and said unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate. And when he was determined to let him go, but you denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised up from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot not that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before has showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. So Peter seizes this opportunity to direct their attention from himself and gives credit to the power of God. He reminds them of the prophecies of the Messiah, and he points out that they had crucified the Savior, promised from God, only a few days before this. Verses 19 through 26. It says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. You are the children of the prophets of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed all the kindreds of the earth shall be blessed. Unto you, first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Peter delivers the message to him, much the same message he delivered in Acts chapter 2. No doubt he got their attention. But he, he, he got their attention first from the miracle, from raising, raising the man that was lame. And then he delivered the, the final blow here. 
and told them what was going to happen to them if they didn't turn from their wickedness, if they didn't recognize Christ as the Messiah, sent from God, prophesied by all the old prophets, and he names them here, and he says, It shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. So he, he delivers the message that he came to deliver. And no doubt he got their attention. You know, when I was reading this chapter, and I was trying to think of ways to, you know, maybe make it applicable to our lives today, things that, that we deal with every day on a daily basis. And this word just came to my mind, opportunities. You remember I mentioned it was a, my key word today when we started the lesson. And as I noted before, the miracle from the Holy Spirit in chapter 2 gave Peter the opportunity to preach that first gospel sermon. And then in chapter 3, we saw how another miracle gave Peter a second opportunity to preach another powerful sermon. We can see clearly in these two chapters of Acts the purpose of miracles in the early church. While we do not have that ability to perform these kinds of acts today, we still do have the Holy Spirit working among us and moving in our lives. And we need to recognize those opportunities that are afforded us to share the message of our Savior, just as Peter did. The greatest evidence of the Holy Spirit working in you and me is in the fruit of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. We're all familiar with this passage. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. These are the fruits of the Spirit. These are the clear, clearest evidences that the Holy Spirit is moving in your life. We don't see much of these words portrayed in our world today, especially on the news media, on the TV screen. But these things should be portrayed in our lives as Christians. That's how the world sees Christ in us. I would encourage you to think about these things. Our world needs these fruits of the Spirit more today than ever. Are you allowing the Spirit to be seen in your life by these fruits? Peter used the works of the Spirit, the miracles to create opportunities to teach God's Word to people around Him. If we have these fruits of the Spirit in our lives, we will have opportunities to introduce the Savior to others as well as just as what we've seen Peter do. We need to be sensitive to those around us, those who are hurting, those who are stuck, those who are paralyzed and are looking for a way to move forward in their lives. Those who are helpless. Notice how the nature of these fruits makes us more sensitive to those around us. 
1 Peter 3 and 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Why would anybody ask you about the hope that is in you? They might ask because they see the fruits of the Spirit displayed in your action and in your life. You must be showing the fruits of the Spirit if you've been asked that question. Have you been asked that question recently? I'd encourage you to look for opportunities as they present themselves. If you, if you show the fruits of the Spirit in your life, then you will be presented with opportunities to share Christ to others and to be a blessing to others and to encourage others and bring others to Christ. I'll leave the lesson with you tonight. I hope it's been beneficial. It was beneficial to me. I enjoyed studying that chapter very much, and hopefully I've brought some thoughts from it that maybe you hadn't thought about before. We never want to close the service without offering an invitation. And so we're going to do that at this time. If you have a need in your life, if you have prayers that need to be prayed in your behalf, if, if you're not a member of Christ's body and you want to give your life to Him, if we can help you in either, either case, we'll come as we stand and sing the song selected.